and chapter 6. As we have looked at chapter 5 yesterday evening. And uh, let's just look at what this book is about again. A one-word summary would be redemption. The book of Exodus, 40 chapters. What is it about? Redemption, God redeeming, buying back, purchasing back, receiving back. Back from people being lost to taskmasters, to other authorities. Under oppression, God redeeming and bringing us out of bondage. A two-word summary would be bondage and redemption. A three-word summary of Exodus, as we learned in the Life Training School, would be bondage, redemption, and not just a vacuum, coming out of slavery, being brought out of it, but headed toward glory. In one word, Exodus is redemption. In two words, bondage and redemption. In three words, bondage, redemption, and glory. Chapter 1 was about the bondage. The baby is being slaughtered. Chapter 2, the basket and the baby Moses. Chapter 3, burning bush, encounter with God. Chapter 4, believing God's word, God's supernatural miracles in the midst of weakness and oppression. Moses gave an excuse of his own weakness, inability to do what God said. Crisis of faith. The children of Israel, they were under bondage, groaning. And they couldn't believe initially. Chapter 5, we read last evening together. We see God being blamed, blaming Moses and blaming God because it didn't happen fast enough and things seemed to go opposite. Chapter 4 is believing God's word, God's supernatural miracle. And chapter 5 would be blaming Moses, blaming God instead of believing God in the midst of an increasingly difficult situation. That's what we read and learned last evening. They were already in a bad situation and now after Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, he made it harder for them. And they were beaten. The officers were in charge. The officers of the Israelites who were supervising their own people were beaten by the Egyptians, by Pharaoh. While they were expected to produce the same quota of bricks without an essential ingredient of straw. So they began to blame Moses and blame God instead of believing God in the midst of an increasingly difficult situation. And they said, because of you, as the officers came out from Pharaoh, Pharaoh's palace to complain, it's not right what you're doing. You want us to produce bricks? It was already hard now. You're taking out this essential ingredient and telling us to go find it. Where are we going to go? And he said, you're idle, you're idle. Go, just do it. Otherwise, more beating. In chapter 6 today, we will see God give a specific message again 
to Moses. And the message was, bring my people out of Egypt. Bring them out, Moses. This is what God said to Moses. As the Lord would surely do it himself. Moses was to follow instructions and God was going to bring them out. So as we continue with the letter B to help us to remember the contents of this book, I believe it's very helpful to be able to weave together the connections between chapters and the overall theme of the book and the division in this book that we find either Genesis or Exodus 1 to 12 concerning Egypt, Israel and Egypt, or some would say 1 to 15, but 1 to 12, and 13 to 18, Israel in the wilderness, and the 19 to 40, Israel at Sinai, where the law was given. We've seen that the Exodus has to do with the high priest and the priesthood system. Secondly, the sacrificial system. And thirdly, the tabernacle. They went from groan to glory. If they had the right mediatorship, mediatorship, which means have the office of a mediator functioning, someone, a middle person, a representative, if they had the right mediatorship, the right representative to plead their cause in case before a holy almighty God with whom all of us were in conflict, we had a conflict, the mediator would bring us to an agreement, us to an agreement, a resolution, a reconciliation. That's the priesthood. The sacrifices concern the right approach, the presentation of ourselves how? Via true penitence and sacrifice. Approaching God the right way. You have a mediator, but you still have to come with a sacrifice. Thirdly, priesthood, sacrifice, and tabernacle. Again, Exodus in a nutshell. The tabernacle signifies... God's presence with us. If I have the right person to lead me to God and I have the right approach to God, all of the laws about the rituals and the sacrifice and the priesthood leading to a construction of the tabernacle where God's Shekinah glory would be, God would be present there. We can get to God if we want to get closer to the Lord, we need to come through the Lord Jesus Christ, our faithful high priest forever. We need to surrender to the Lord of life, our high priest, and come to him with our sacrifice of praise, with our deep repentance, our worship from the heart, with honesty, humility, with love, has said, H E. S-E-D. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. The Hebrew word for loving kindness, mercy, and holiness. Come to the Lord Jesus. Get cleansed by Him because unlike the sacrificial system, He becomes our sacrifice. He has become our sacrifice. 
The priest himself is a sacrifice, wonder of wonders. No high priest could even do that, let alone the regular priests. Because, as we read in the book of Hebrews recently, they have their own sins. And so Aaron was consecrated and his sins need to be atoned for. The first high priest and his sons and all the priests down from that line. They all needed cleansing themselves. First to offer for themselves, but not so our faithful high priest, the Lord Jesus. He is perfect, eternally perfect, and he became the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. Because I have the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, I come to him the right way with reverence, because he becomes the sacrifice for me. I'm reconciled to God, and God will tabernacle with me. I can live with him. I can dwell with him. These are some of the things the Lord gave me to note down. I'm sharing with you to have a better, deeper understanding of this book of Exodus. It's not just Moses and Israel coming out of Egypt. There's a lot more involved. God reveals himself progressively. We're going to learn a little bit more about God's revelation of himself. But let's go right to the chapter now, given this background. And we go to Exodus chapter Six this morning. Exodus chapter 6. Reading from the New King James Version. If you would turn your Bibles, if you have the New King James Version, those of you who do. If anyone would like to read, you're ready to read God's Holy Word. Someone can read chapter 6 from verses 1 to 10 and then someone else from verses 14 to the end of the chapter which is 30 so 1 to 10 and uh, 11 11 to 30 please praise God New King James Version and the Lord said to Moses Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses, because of the anguish of spirit and the cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, 
thing. You can actually continue, brother, if you will, to 13, please. Sure. Go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to, to let the children of Israel go out of his hand, of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Praise the Lord. Now, the New King James has it that uh, how shall Pharaoh heed me for I am of uncircumcised lips. And he is speaking about his ability or inability to speak properly. Someone please continue in Exodus chapter 6 with verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Exodus chapter 6 from verse 14. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the son of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok, Palu, Hestron, and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben, and the sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jashin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the families of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi. According to, to their generation, Kershon, Kohat, and Merari, and the years of the life of Levi were 137. The sons of Kershon were Libni and Shimi, according to their families, and the sons of Kohat were Ambron, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel, and the years of the life of Kohat were 133. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. They are the families of Levi, according to their generations. Now, Amram took to, for himself Joshibeth, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram was 130. 37. The sons of Ishar were Korah, Nephek, Zikri, and the sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzahan, and Zitri. Aaron took to himself Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon, as wife, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And the sons of Korah were Asher, Elkanah and Abiyasah. These are the families of the Korah's heights. Eliezer, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel as wife, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites, according to their families. These are the uh, same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day 
the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh hit me? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. This is a little bit of a challenge here with the different names, but Yamini did a good job, I think. Praise God. If you ever come across sections where um, you're not used to the names or it's a bit more challenging, I'll just say let someone else read, but praise God, Yamini did a pretty good job. The names are not easy, especially if you're not used to reading them. But this section is God showing the reader, showing the people. Moses didn't come out of nowhere, although it may appear that way, in the land of bondage for the children of Israel. The officers of the children of Israel, all of the people of Jacob's lineage. Who's this Moses? Who's this Aaron? God says, it's this Moses and this Aaron. These are the people that I've sent. They are the direct descendants of your father, Abraham, your father Isaac, and your father Jacob. God has sent Moses and Aaron to you who are from the very man I made a covenant with, the very people. God made covenant. And he's a God who keeps his promise. So he's bringing that up. He said, there's a history over here. What I spoke to your patriarch, your great father of your race, Abraham, and confirmed it to Isaac and to Jacob. I remember what I said. I know it's extremely difficult. Groaning is there. I'm watching. And I've sent people from the very house of your fathers. And when we look at the lineage of Moses and Aaron, Moses being the judge, he was also a priest and a prophet. God instituted a priesthood system, but Moses still functioned as a priest because he made intercession between the Israelites and God and represented God to the Israelites. They both came from the son of Jacob, who became Israel, and that son of Jacob was Levi, and that Levi had, as he was called to a priestly office, the Levites, he had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And out of the three sons, Moses and Aaron descended from Kohath. We can say they were Kohathites, they were Levites, they were Israelites. They came from Jacob, who's an Israelite, was Israel, became Israel. They came from Jacob's son out of the twelve, Levi, from where the Levitical 
priesthood came. And the son of Jacob, Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, all priestly class, because they came from Levi. But it was Kohath from whom Moses and Aaron's dad came, Amram, and then Moses and Aaron were born as grandsons to Kohath, great-grandsons of Levi, great-great-grandson of Jacob, grandsons of Jacob. So the lineage is important to note that God was going to bring the priesthood through Levi, and both Moses and Aaron were from the Kohath clan, the Kohathites. And God details, unlike any other book, unlike any other book of not only antiquity in ages past, but any present day or recent conception and production of some religion or cult, you have detailed records in the Bible, unlike any other religious book. God showing this is historical, this is fact, this is real. These are real people in a real situation with a real God to do a real supernatural work. In this case, it was bondage, it was slavery. Stray Moses and Aaron were the ones God sent right into the palace of Pharaoh to speak and pronounce God's warning. Let my people go. If you don't let Israel, my firstborn, go, I will kill your firstborn. These are the people, these two men that were sent to Israel to tell them, God has heard you groaning. And let me just read this in the New Living Translation to hear it again. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Why? There's a chapter division here, but it's a continuation. So, if we read right from chapter 5, verse 23, into chapter 6, verse 1, seamlessly, you see the context. Moses said, Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people? The people said to Moses, why did you bring me trouble? Why did you bring us trouble? Moses in turn says to God, Lord, why all this trouble, Lord? Things are getting worse. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't see this thing resolved. God hears our groanings. Who of us hasn't felt pain? And also intense and extended pain. It could be emotional pain. It could be physical pain. It's a very, very difficult place to be in when we hear things and even positive things and promises, but we just don't see any progress. In this very chapter we see God is intimately acquainted with every step of the way. And he promises that he will bring us out and he will do it. Even when it looks like it's not going to happen and things are getting even worse. Lord, you told me to pray. And after prayer, it seemed to be getting worse. Sometimes, not because God wants it, not because he causes it. 
but there's an enemy as I mentioned what we see behind the scenes in the New Testament is that there are demonic entities and they will go in and instigate and exasperate a situation to make it harder for the child of God to believe. That's the hope that the devil has, his wicked hope. To do something to make God's people to doubt, God's people not to be patient, God's people not to see or walk by faith, to keep them walking by sight. In this chapter, we have evidence that even though the situation got worse, God said who he was, and there's a revelation we're going to read, very pointed revelation. When Moses cries to God and said, Lord, since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has even been more brutal to your people, and you've done nothing to rescue them. He came and said, Lord, it hasn't happened. What's happening? That's the cry to which God replies this. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. You're telling me this is happening. You're reporting to me things are getting worse and people are suffering even more. And you yourself have this burden. When will it end? I don't see any resolution. The Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Just hold on. I'm going to act. He reveals himself as the God who acts. We're going to see the name that he used to tell Moses who he is and tell the people of Israel who he is. Verse 1 in the New Living Translation, Exodus 6, And the Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. The Lord is saying, you haven't seen anything yet. Hold on. I'm working. It's going to happen. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh. As you mentioned, Y-H-W-H, the Tetragrammaton, these four Letters abbreviated to stand for Yahweh, which is too sacred for the Jews to mention. That Yahweh, when he said, I am Yahweh, it's the same that he told Moses at the burning bush, I am. Who should I say sent me to the Israelites, O Lord? What is your name? I am that I am. I am. I will be what I will be. The self-existent one, the eternal one, meaning I am here and I'm active. Notice how God speaks about his own name and the difference between the revelation now, which is what? Progressive. As compared with how he revealed himself to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is speaking. He's explaining how tender and condescending God is to come down to talk to us. He's the best father. If we only go to the Lord and spend time with him, if we talk to him more, he will talk a lot to us. I want that. Wouldn't you want that? Can we live without hearing him speak? His words are life. To whom shall we go? Lord, Peter said when the Lord said, are you going to leave with the multitude that just left? They liked the benefits. They ate the fish. 
They got the bread. They got all the good stuff. And now they're walking away because it's too hard to follow Jesus. We just came for the benefits. There are people who come to church for benefits. It's not about I'm coming to God to worship the living God. I'm coming with reverence. Not chitter-chatter and lightheartedness and foolishness. But to come to meet with God himself. Not mere rituals or socialization. I'm coming to worship God. He's my focus. And when I come, I'm going to present myself in a manner that is acceptable to God. There is a manner that's right and there's a manner that's wrong. It hasn't changed. This reverence must be given to Yahweh, the Lord. A variation of Yahweh adopted later as Jehovah from Yehovah. Yahweh, Yehovah, Jehovah. But the actual word is Yahweh, which means the Lord, which means self-existent and eternal, which means I am. He's the ever-present, active God. So what does this mean to us? He's very aware of what we're going through. And he's working. In the dark he is working. In the night he is working. The phrase from the song that the Lord gave Pastor Kerba. When we don't see and we can't see and it's dark, God says, I'm working. And that's how he reveals himself, Yahweh. Notice in verse 3, he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as what? El Sadai. Which we have adopted with an H, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. God Almighty. The All-Sufficient One. They knew this God is sovereign and supreme. He's the Almighty. But now... Moses gets a deeper revelation. The children of Israel are being drawn closer to God through a progressive revelation. Not just God Almighty, but I am a very personal God, an active God in your affairs. I love you. And he goes further. Listen to this. He said, I revealed myself to your forefathers as God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. God details the covenant so these people can have faith. Has God ever spoken to you and spoken to me in detail about certain things? He has. And he wants to reveal more. Our faith gets built up so much. Isn't it true? When you go to buy a vehicle or a house, we don't just buy the house or vehicle because someone said it's a nice vehicle and a nice house. We don't have much confidence in whether it is a good house or a good vehicle. But then the details come out. It has this and that. And this protection and that function, 
And this is how it's put together. And this is the reason why it's best in its class, so to speak. This is the reason why it's economical. This is the reason why the value is just there. And it has everything that would make it appreciated value and never depreciated value. With all these details, our confidence gets built up that this is the right thing, this is what I need. We're speaking in the natural. Even a person apart from God's leading, under God's mercy, they get to taste the sunshine and the rain, according to Matthew chapter 5. But we have far more than that, street smarts or human wisdom. We have the wisdom from God who reveals the covenant my relationship with God, the terms of it, the details of who God is, what He's done and what He's doing and what He promises to do. All of this is supposed to do what? Build my faith. How? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more I hear what God has to say, He's always purposeful and He's always revelatory. He reveals things we did not know. He says, there's a covenant. I'm not just sending a couple of men here to say that I'm going to do something with no background here, with no historical background, with no terms. There's a connection here. I'm going to fulfill. That's how strong it is. I'm going to fulfill what I told your forefathers. I haven't forgotten. You may have forgotten. I haven't forgotten. I'm about to do that thing now. And you know what it includes? It includes not only deliverance from bondage, but a place that I prepared for you, Canaan, where your very forefathers were living as foreigners. This is why God says all this. You can be sure, verse 5, Exodus 6, verse 5, that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. How wonderful. God speaks in such detail and such tenderness to build up the faith of Moses and the Israelites. Because it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith they crossed the Red Sea. They couldn't have crossed it without trusting God. Here they are complaining. They're under tremendous affliction. Things seem to get worse. God says, hold on. I'm about to bring you out. Isn't it true? Before we have the great liberation, things seem to get much worse. Many times, because there's an enemy. There's a devil that works through a pharaoh, that works through our weakness of the flesh, works through all things in this world to try to destroy us. But we can know, my God, I can cry to you and you will hear my cry. What kind of people? The Bible says the righteous cry, the Lord's ears are open to their cry. Notice it didn't say the people were sinning. They're simply under bondage. When they heard and they saw the signs, they believed, but then it got worse and they were challenged to continue to trust God, to remember. Didn't Moses say, I am, has sent me to you? He's the one. He's the one who was the almighty God, El Shaddai, over our forefathers, now he's getting more personal with us, revealing more. 
he wants to do something with us to make us a people. And that goes further in verse 6. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I am Yahweh. I will free you. Here's the covenant. Here are the terms. Here are the benefits that are coming. But before that, I have to get you out of here. I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Now more intimate about his plan. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. What more can we ask? What a tremendous blessing to hear. In bondage, no hope, things getting worse. God still says, I'm about to do something great in your life. He says, I will claim you as my own people. You're my treasured possession. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I'm the Lord your God, Elohim, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. You're going to know. Very soon you're going to be doing what? Celebrating and rejoicing. I'm going to do it all. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham. Yitzhak and Yaakov I will give it to you as your very own possession I am Yahweh and the Lord God promises He keeps His promise There's a covenant Our part of the covenant is to believe and follow through in obedience That's all God says I have a palace for you I have a spiritual plane of living that's unlike anything you ever could have fathomed. I want you to walk with me. I'm going to reveal myself to you. Be wise. Take advantage of it. Drop everything else. Pay attention to what I tell you because I have the words of life. Peter said, where shall we go, Lord? For you have the words of eternal life. And it's still true. You see, when there's a plan B, and there's a backup plan, and there's an alternative that cannot work, we have to crush those plans that are not from Him. We have to burn those bridges and never go back to where God rescued us from. They were simply called to trust God, believe, and He said, I'll do the rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No wonder. The real, authentic Christian life is a life of freedom. But unlike the clip that I posted from T.D. Jakes being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, it's important to note it's not a free-for-all, self-empowerment, feeling good with pithy sayings, catchphrases, catchy phrases, to keep the people clapping for more. Who? People, including the host and the audience, who are not even born again quite a number of them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be clapping like that with every word that the man 
preached, quote-unquote. Where's the blood? Where's the blood of the Lamb of God? Where's the sacrifice on the cross? The only way to realize my true potential according to God's perfect will. Where's God's perfect will? As I mentioned, this woman said that I can't define God, so I'm open to anything. That's what she said. Are you kidding? I can't define God, so I embrace everything. No. You can't have God and have the Egyptian demons. This is the living God. He says, I will give you everything and you will become my treasured possession. But you have to trust me, believe me, my word. Don't mix it up with the other people's words. Don't mix up religions. Don't mix up anything. Believe what I say and do what I tell you. Where's the fear of the Lord in that audience from that clip I sent? Joel Osteen is another one. Both men, T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen. Very personable. Very talented in their own right. And very nice to listen to. People that we would feel comfortable conversing with because they're nice. Who wouldn't like nice people? People who give positive affirmations of how to get out of the ghetto, how to get out of our spiritual ghetto, how to get out of feeling inferior. Wonderful. It sounds very similar to what God told Moses to tell Israel. I want to get you out of slavery. The problem is, when Jesus Christ is minimized and marginalized and obscured, when Christ and Him crucified is not at the forefront of the message, when people are not taught and told, this is the way you approach the living God. Is not only El Shaddai, Almighty God, He's I am Yahweh. You surrender to Him. You confess, Lord, I really am worthless. Why? Because there's a problem I have sinned. All these gurus, including Joseph Prince, and many, many of them, they will do their best to minimize that gulf that exists between every human being and God Almighty, Holy God. We need to be careful. I specifically have mentioned the names because, not only because they're very popular, and I've held back from mentioning names for a long time, because we're at the point where we need to know why people get slaughtered spiritually. They even die and go to hell because they have a false sense of security and empowerment. Salvation comes to those who believe God to the point of obeying God. If Lot would have resisted, thinking, well, I'm empowered here, it's great potential, I made a lot of profit here in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm not leaving, I'm sorry. I know you talk about judgment and everything, but I, I'm righteous guy, I'm going to stay here. At that point, his righteousness would not have been remembered, he would have perished in that. 
but he understood God is trying to get me out of here. I made a boo-boo, a big mistake. God has come to rescue me. Lord, you lead the way. There's a self-awareness of a big blunder. Sin. It was a sinful choice. And he surrendered to God and God rescued him. If Abraham wouldn't have obeyed God and come out from Mesopotamia, he would have died in his sins. How can you tell people you have great potential? Transformation of thinking and these popular concepts, they have biblical roots, but they're given with tremendous amount of poisonous weeds. So the people who think they're getting Bible and it sounds so much like the real thing are not only getting a counterfeit gospel, they're getting poison that will kill them faster than anything else. Because the worst situation is not for a person who's weak and a failure to know that they're weak and failure and not know how to get out. Even worse is a person who is weak and a failure and a sinner who thinks they're all right and I don't need God. Or I have God and I will just do what I need to do to get ahead with my version of God. Many people have been held with that. Now, in T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, and Joseph Prince, even Oprah Winfrey, any of the people, Buddhists and Hindus, Muslims, atheists, agnostics, agnostics, people who follow all kinds of different religions, just mentioning some major ones, Judaism, Jews who are still bound to the Old Covenant, who have not believed in the Messiah who came to fulfill the law and set them free. A Jew, Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God. Can any of them repent? Is there any hope for them? Absolutely. Just like there was hope for me and hope for you. What do we need to do, all of us? God has one standard. Holiness. One standard. The gospel. One standard. The cross. One person to bring us to him. Jesus Christ. And who is that person? He's holy and just. And he speaks. And he commands us because he's the sovereign God. But with the commands, there's tender grace and mercy to help us to do everything he says. He is the one who truly empowers us to become great. And the understanding of truth and the surrender to the truth that I am a special treasure. God wants to live with me. He wants me to live with Him. Should move me to have a greater fear of God. When there's this levity, this lightheartedness, and everything's a joke, and clapping, and laughing, and it's entertainment. It may be teaching. It may be considered preaching. A person may have a deep voice, commanding voice. A person may have a light voice, uh, sprightly manner. A long time ago, the Lord helped me to understand this personally. 
That is, don't focus so much on the style or the charisma. Focus on the content. Because the Lord said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What is the person actually saying? When we're walking with God and we are given the Holy Spirit's discernment, we'll be able to instantly know. Even though this seems so palatable and nice to a lot of people who call themselves Christians, even leaders, I see a lot of pitfalls and snares in this message. I see that it's not biblically accurate. Something's wrong here. How do you know? One of the biggest evidences is Look at the fruit that's produced. What kind of people come away from that meeting? You know what kind of people? I'll tell you what kind of people. People like Oprah Winfrey and a lot of people. Black, white, Chinese, Indian. Doesn't matter what race. People who will not part with New Age philosophies and their Buddhism, their Hinduism, their Catholicism. They will be content to have Christ too. Why not? Throw, throw it in there in the mix. I can use all the help I can to do what? Realize my potential to do my thing. That's the devil, and that's where he fell. God is God, not us. We can't manipulate God. God says, I will catch the crafty in their own craftiness. I will make foolish the wisdom of this world. I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. Humility is not simply an appearance, a demeanor. It's a matter of the heart, which is evidenced just like faith, by surrendering to the commandments of God. That's true humility. Humbling myself to say, I'm going to close my lips. Jesus, tell me what I need to do. That's what Mary did. She didn't go and sit at Jesus' feet and say, can you tell me all the things you're going to do for me and I want to tell you all that I feel, my dreams. And can you just touch my dreams and bless it, Lord? I'm going to go on this business venture, Lord. Can you help me? It's like a young man that I had the opportunity to lead to the Lord many years ago. He was in the Air Force as a young cadet, the youngest cadet, I believe, in that country that he came from. Very positive strong-minded young man already accomplished great things one day he came to me and said we're going to play a match a sports match in Georgia I'm going to go on the plane could you write me up a prayer that I can pray with the team so we have good success I left I was 20 years old. I knew enough back then by God's grace. You can't just take God as a genie and as a uh, success strategy to bless your plans. I told them they need to surrender to the Lord, know the Lord. You can't make a generic prayer. You'll have chaplains and coaches and all these people everywhere flooding the world from coast to coast everywhere they are prophets for hire never tell them El Shaddai the great I am Yahweh demands 
surrender. Demands that we come to him and say, speak to me, Lord. I'm your servant. Like Samuel did, even as a child. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Not go and say, God, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this for me. And Can you do this for me, Lord, and let's do this. And the popular preachers of the day, they will encourage people. Write out your plans. You need a, a, a vision. You need transformation of thinking. You need to know that the reason you're not getting ahead is because you're stuck with a blueprint that somebody else tried to put on you. You're your own person. Go ahead and achieve everything. And you bring energy into the room. and You're positive and you're spiritual. All these things. Horrific departure from the simple truth, the simplicity that's in Christ. The Apostle Paul said by the Holy Spirit, who has deceived you? Don't follow after Eve now. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Who was deceived by the serpent. She was beguiled, ensnared by the devil with the smooth talk. The Holy Spirit warned to the Apostle Paul, never forget the simplicity that's in Christ. It's very simple. I come to Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose again for my justification. I give my life to him. Period. He does everything else. He will take me from faith to faith. Strength to strength. Glory to glory. He will make sure I'm in the perfect blueprint that he has designed way before I was born. And with all the detours and deviations and failures, God is able to do what? Just like he did in Exodus. Redeem me. Hallelujah. He's able to bring me back on track to his original plan, which is the most glorious, eternal, and fruitful plan. Hallelujah. What a hope we have in God. He revealed himself here in a way that was different than the way he revealed himself by his name, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm Yahweh I'm very active and involved in your problems you know God hasn't changed we can bring our problems both small and great to the Lord we can trust him God will help every single one of his children he's not only able to do it simultaneously he's almighty is all love that he wants to do it. And he will do it. But you see, just like the children of Israel, we need to have our faith growing by hearing God's word more and more, listening to him speak, because his promise gives power. His word is life. And God will build our faith to the point that we can receive great miracles from him, greater and greater things. It is this Moses to whom God revealed this. Well, after this revelation also, verse 9, Exodus chapter 6, Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of this slavery. Let me just say here, parenthetically, but it's important. I can listen to T.D. Jakes. I can listen to Joseph Prince. I can listen to Joel Osteen. Perhaps the three most popular preachers across the globe, internationally. 
incidentally. I didn't mean to group them together for that purpose, but I can listen. I've listened to Joel Osteen. And some of what he says in the presentation was very good. I can listen to T.D. Jakes and I can pick up bits of truth that are very good. Similarly, with Joseph Prince, for a person who's been oppressed and battered and bruised, brutally treated by the devil, till they feel like they're worthless, it's a fresher breath air. I should say, a breath of fresh air. To hear, you don't have to be down in the dumps. You're worth something. It's important to hear that. Because God says it. It's important to hear, you're worth far more than you know. What a revolution when we struggle with inferiority complex, when we struggle with people who are prejudiced against us, when we struggle with problems, when we feel like, why am I even here? Why was I even born? And I can never seem to find happiness, whether I'm married or not married, whether I'm rich or poor. There's a vacuum, there's a hollow void to hear that there is a life full of vitality, these men preach that. It's the truth. But without mentioning it costs someone on the cross to bring us the abundant life and that we need to surrender our motives, our passions, our dreams, everything at the foot of the cross. Empty the pockets. Not keep your pockets full and present your charms to God and say, Lord, will you bless this? I know you died on the cross. I love you and everything. But I do love to read my horoscopes. I do love to watch TV. I mentioned to another brother we were speaking the other day, and he mentioned how he told others that you can't watch TV and not be corrupted, which is true to a large degree. And I mentioned to him what I learned many years ago was that TV is just an extension of company. When you have TV, media, computer, whatever it is, whatever medium you use to bring the media to you, you're actually inviting spirits. So a person who watches a program thinking that it's passive watching is actually, actually inviting active demons. How? Through the personalities and the people, the things they say, the things they do, and the images that are presented. You have a whole crowd of people in your house when you have a television set, when you have a computer, when you have a smartphone. Are we against the device? No. Let it be sanctified. Let it be used for God's glory. But know this. Just as much as someone would say, I won't invite just anybody off the street into my house or a bunch of people who I know are doing the wrong thing, but we do when we watch the programs that involve those things. Because the same spirits that make people act it out on the street are the same spirits that are behind the production of many of these programs, whether they're humorous or cultural. We need to know that truth brings light and life, and we live and conform to the truth. There's a renewal of our minds and our spirits. So, 
when we listen to preachers, they may be eloquent, charming, charismatic, handsome, or pretty, men and women. They seem to have just the right way of getting the attention of the people. And they say things that are empowering and actually true in certain things. With it will come the poison of ego and self-empowerment with no real consideration. Maybe in passing as an eyewash, as they say. Oh, Jesus, yes, we love Jesus. He's the one. He's the way, truth, and life. What Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And people clap. Oh, right on. This is Christianity. But then, you go and get yours. You are somebody. It starts going beyond the truth. Now you come and you empty yourself so God can fill you with the Holy Spirit. You're not called to dominate this world by being involved in everything the world's involved in. This dominion theology, which is so popular with these men. And people like them. No. The Lord said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. The more you live for Jesus, the more enemies you're going to make. Somebody says, well, I don't want this kind of life. No, thank you. I'm out of here. I'm coming to Jesus for the fringe benefits. I'm coming to Jesus for the good, wholesome positive thinking and you know success is that why the Lord said in Matthew sixteen twenty four, if you want to follow me deny yourself take up your cross and follow me you want to come after me die to yourself you won't hear those truths with these other truths and so Moses learned that he had to empty himself The Israelites were told to do the same thing. Part of it includes, don't go by what you feel and what you think and how you assess the situation. Go by what God said. If I go and listen to some of what God said, as alluded to with these false preachers, if the Israelites said, I know you talk about God and I know you're talking about the God, our God, the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know you're talking about His covenant, the covenant. But right now, it's not working for me. And so, please leave us alone. And what did God do in His grace? Show them signs. He reassured them, I've heard your cries. I'm an active God. I'm intimately acquainted with you and involved in your life. I will turn things around. You humble yourself. Just follow me. Do what I tell you to do. You know what? Before he could tell the Israelites to simply believe and obey, where the faith got built up to actually observe the Passover, when all the firstborn in Egypt were slaughtered by the angel of death, their firstborns were spared because they had the lamb's blood on their doorposts. According to who? According to what? The instructions of God Almighty through Moses. 
Their faith got built up to the point that they were able to obey. And that's what God demands. Total obedience. When we do that, eternal miracles will follow. But before the Israelites can be built up in the faith, Moses had to be built up in his own faith. Because how they responded, he took that and took it right back to God. He said, Lord, why have you done this? Why have you brought this trouble, Lord? Why did you even send me, Lord? Look, they're in trouble and I'm watching this, Lord. It, it, don't you care, Lord? It kind of comes down to that, doesn't it? The Israelites said, God doesn't care. But he does. He's about to reveal his mighty arm. Strong and outstretched arm he said, I'm going to use my mighty hand to bring you out. Watch. I'm about to do it. Believe me. Remember. I've watched this. I've promised something to your forefathers. I will fulfill it. Well, the genealogy of Moses is traced here to show that he was a Levite by birth and that he was handpicked by God. He didn't come from somewhere else. God raised them up from the very people of Abraham sent to the people of Abraham. God says all the pieces of the puzzle are bringing a beautiful picture together. You can't see it, but I see it. Trust me. Follow me. You're going to see every part perfectly fitted together in your life. So God says, go back to Pharaoh and do what I told you to do. Moses. But Lord, verse 12, Moses objected. My own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. There he goes back to the failure syndrome. We need to be able to hear God clearly and then to do what he says to do. To be able to hear him, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to keep hearing the truth. As it is in the scripture. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Not part of it mixed with poison, but the whole truth. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Hence the uh, summary phrase, if you will, for chapter 6 as we're going chapter by chapter and getting a summary statement to help us to remember the contents and how they connect together. Chapter 6 will be, bring my people out of Egypt, with quotations, if you're taking notes. Bring my people out of Egypt. God said to Moses, this God who is revealed as El Shaddai, the Almighty, now revealed as Yahweh, the Lord, the self-existent, eternal one, said to Moses, who was who? Son of Amram, son of Kohath, son of Levi, son of Jacob, 
son of Isaac, son of Abraham. Bring my people up. We're going to see how Moses' faith keeps on increasing the more he hears God and the faith of the Israelites. Unprecedented miracles. So in our lives, someone may say it's easier said than done, Pastor. I'm going through a horrible time right now. We know all about it. We've gone through it ourselves and we continue to go through different things. But can you trust the God who says, I'm leading you by the hand. Not only don't give up, can you see with eyes of faith, can you still praise me in the midst of your affliction? So hard. God knows how hard it is for some of us because it's just too painful. And another thing, it's a repeat cycle. Oh God. And it seems to get worse. Oh God. What am I going to do, Lord? What happened to my faith, Lord? What happened to my feelings of being able to see over this horizon that there is hope? We need to hear a good word from God. And you know what? God is unmoved with the opposition because He's the King. He's the Almighty. He's Yahweh. I am that I am. Who should I say? Who should I say sent me to them, Lord? Tell them, I am sent you. I will be active. I will do what I said. I will be what I will be. He's faithful God. He's a faithful God. We see he's a covenant-keeping God. Generations have passed from Abraham. But he never forgot the covenant he made with Abraham. Why should God keep his covenant? He's a God who cannot lie. And he's a God who's faithful. Even though Abraham was a puny speck in the universe, and among the millions of people that existed back then, the promise he made to this one tiny individual who is not even a worshiper of the true God. God's grace came. And God remembered every word he spoke to him. Abraham died. Isaac died. Jacob died. Imagine if God was like some of these other gods and other religions, mercurial, whimsical, changeable. He says, you know what? Abraham died, the other guys died. I'm, I'm just going to forget about what I told them. They're not even around. He's so faithful to this very second. He continues to fulfill his promise to Abraham. Abraham lived roughly 2100 BC. So for 4100 years, this God has kept his word, brought the Messiah and continues to deal with his people wanting to bless us. This is what Peter told, incidentally, to the people, fellow Jews who were there in the book of Acts. God has sent his son to bless you. He's not coming to hurt you. He's a God who loves and he wants to bless. But make sure you know who you're dealing with. 
He's the Almighty God. You've got to do what he says, otherwise you're going to be in big trouble. But if you do what he says, if you trust him, this love relationship will blossom and God will begin to reveal himself more and more to you. And you know what? Your hearing of the voice of the Holy Spirit will increase where you won't be feeling uncertain anymore, even when things look opposite to your natural eyes and your quote-unquote rational mind. You'll begin to really walk by faith. God wants each of us to become giants in the faith and giant walking by faith. May the Lord help us to believe Him and apply this word to our lives and say, Lord, they were in a very, very difficult situation. But you came through, Lord, just like you said. My God, I know that you will come through for me and my family, just like you said. I have problems. I have situations. I have opposition. I have conflict within and without. Inside and out, Lord. But I know that you will do what you told me you'll do. Because you love me, Lord. You're faithful, Lord. And I will follow you. You're my God. Ruth was able to say that. She was a Moabite of all people. Didn't even belong to Israel. But you know, she was a wise woman. And a woman with a childlike, humble heart. Everything she learned about God, she grabbed it. She said, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Just the way God wanted it. She says, your God, Naomi, will be my God. It's not simply... A devotion to the woman. She became devoted to the living God of that woman. So much so in favor with God. Totally outside of God's will. Have you ever felt that and remembered? When you were outside of God's will? But he came. The God who came to us in love when nobody loved us. We thought that nobody loved us. We couldn't even love ourselves. He's faithful to finish what he started. Blessed be God's name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Faithful are you, Lord. You are so faithful, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're so patient, Lord. Father, I pray, help all of us to trust in you wholeheartedly to fear you and love you wholeheartedly and to prove our love and faith in you by doing what you say wholeheartedly. And thank you for hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ that can never die. I thank you for a place that you prepared as we saw in the book of Exodus, Lord. Priesthood, sacrifices, and tabernacle as we're going to be learning more about it, that you want us to be very intimately connected to you. You're the most wonderful Father. And you have much to give to each of us. You have so many plans for us, Lord, to be used of you, oh my God, in these last days. You have plans to transform us truly, not with transformational thinking, using worldly principles, peddling the gospel, Invading people into 
self-realization has nothing to do with the cross which begins with self-surrender but Lord you have glorious plans to use us each of us Lord help us to keep our eyes on you and on your divine blueprint and plan for our lives and to hunger and thirst after righteousness so that Lord we can finish the work that you have created us to do not get distracted but to fulfill your perfect will and live with you forever thank and praise you Father in Jesus mighty name Amen